This week on Casa de Confidence, Julie sits down with Jeff McMahon. Jeff is an incredibly talented keyboardist. He's a writer. He's a marathoner and played keyboard with Tim McGraw. I'm crazy excited about this. And hey, guess what? You guys get to hear a couple songs. One by Jeff himself and one with a talent that he's working with currently. Maddie True, whose song, Just the Lonely Talking, just dropped. Welcome to Casa de Confidence, a podcast for women and some cool dudes going in the direction of their dreams and the confidence it takes to reach them. I'm your host, Julie DeLuca Collins, and your sidekick, handsome hot husband, that again. I am a dreamer, a traveler, a visionary, and risk taker. I'm a lover of books, activist, philanthropist, and most of all, we are supporter of people and their dreams. If you stumble into the casa for the first time, welcome. If you've been here before, we're so glad you're back. Grab your drink of choice, settle in, and make yourself at home. Hey, Julie. Hello, Daniel Collins. I am so excited. For this show, I mean, I did the intro and stuff. I can never do do the guest credit on my little intro that I do at the beginning of the podcast. But I, I was watching your Zoom call with with Jeff, mm-hmm. and it it's incredible. I, I I I'm asking everyone listen to this whole thing. I'm at three quarters of the way through. I'm actually going to play one of his great mm-hmm. songs, mm-hmm. and at the end of the podcast. We're going to play a new song by a talent he's working with, Maddie True. I know I said that earlier, but it's just awesome. How are you today? I am doing well. You are? I am doing well, despite the fact that something that the neighbors seem to have blown oh up. Yeah, something blew up next door. We don't know what it is. It looks like Do everybody's okay. It looks like we're fine. I and think it, you know what I think it might have been? What? It's not the neighbors, but right next to the neighbor, we have a river. In hmm. that river, there's a pumping station. I think something blew up in the pumping station. I think we've gotten so much rain here oh lately. I think the pump <clears throat> left the building. <laughs> so much rain. And, and I have to say, you know, I've been curating my intake of news. Hmm. And apparently I missed the fact that there was a big storm in New York. It, yeah, it was here too. Yeah, well, but in New York, it actually killed over 47 people. Well, yeah, some and people, the flooding was pretty, well, this is the, this is the storm which was the hurricane that, that hit um, Louisiana. Louisiana. So, poor, and it and, came up here and New York was pretty, pretty badly flooded. And we've been praying for our family in Louisiana and our friends and yeah. continue to pray for everyone. And we hope everybody has anyway. some safety. So. Um, but... Other than that, I am doing great. By the way, yes. Have you seen the ABBA sing along on what? TikTok? The ABBA? Yeah. ABBA's? You know, the Swedish, they got it going on over there. First of all, I think that we need to do the ABBA sing along and do a TikTok. Is it ABBA or ABBA? ABBA. Oh, okay. Why are you making fun of me? I say ABBA. ABBA. It's okay. ABBA? Yes. Do you know, little fun fact? There's a there's a show on Netflix, and it's it's um it's called Pop or something Pop, and uh, 
there's an episode about the Swedish influence on modern pop uh, around the world and in the United States. Mm -hmm. In the fact that ABBA or ABBA in music around that time is kind of the progenitor to all modern pop that's come ever since. That's a big word. Yeah, it's kind of a neat episode. It is a neat episode. There was a studio there. They say the Swedish, they're the king of the hook. The queen and king of the hook. The Hmm. king of the hook. And they they, they were like the hook finders for for pop music. Mm -hmm. And a lot of... Britney Spears. Britney Spears. Yeah. The Backstreet Boys. The Backstreet Boys. How do you know this? Did you I see watched it? the episode with you. Did I just not say oh, that? You were in the okay. room. Okay. I, I think the <laughs> listeners can attest now when I go through in my life. I speak. Wow. And you didn't, didn't even, even catch it. And what? apparently I watched TV with you and you weren't even noticing. You watched that episode with me? Because yes, I watched I the did. whole series. I watched that episode just with you. Just because I like documentary stuff. Mm-hmm. I like documentaries. I do too. like documentary stuff. So anyway. Huh. Uh, whatever. So, well, yes. we're not talking pop today. We're talking country. Uh, you're talking my language. Mm-hmm. I like country. We got a we got a, a a country loving city girl here. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Should we do the little song? You know what song? I'm a little bit country. Well, I'm a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> That's all I know. That's Donnie and Marie. Marie. I love Donnie. And That's Marie. on their show. That was mm-hmm. not, I, I used I to watch that. Donnie and Marie. You know what song haunts me to this very day? Oh, I'm scared now. So when I lived in Maine, and I lived right across the street from the from the racetrack mm-hmm. where we, so I, I grew up. We, um, my father, my sister, and myself. When I was younger, we did harness racing for ponies. We were in the the Pony Trotters Association. Mm-hmm. And not horses, but ponies, <clears throat> quarter horses, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We, and we lived right across from the track. And there was the upper campgrounds and the lower campgrounds. In the lower campgrounds, there was these people all summer long, one summer. We heard the song on loop all summer long. Okay. Blasted. What song? Do you remember the song? Elvira. Oh, my goodness. My heart's on fire. <laughs> okay. I don't remember the words. But yeah, Elvira, it's a very dun, famous dun, song. Dun, dun, it was a dun, huge dun. it was a huge hit in the early seventies. Eighties. Oh. It was not, well, maybe it was nineteen eighty. It couldn't have been nineteen eighties because was if you 80 lived in or eighty one. I lived in Maine. If you lived in Maine with your dad. When I moved back to Connecticut, it was yes. nineteen eighty one. Right. And if you lived in Maine, it was before that. It was 78 to 81 oh my goodness. So that I lived I'm there. And I th- I'm pretty up. sure it was 1980 or 81. And who was it? Oak Ridge Boys? Um, the Oak Ridge Boys. You are correct. Okay. <laughs> see? Let's see. Wait, wait a minute. Let's see what time. El when they... Barra, 80, okay, it was released in 81. Fine. 81. You were right. Uh, I was mistaken. You know, life with Dan for Julie. Oh, my Much to her chagrin. Has been an entirety of it's being not. incorrect. No, it has not. I am more I, right than you are. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Let's just say all right. I, I, all I got to say is, what, <coughs> have you, what have you done for me lately? 1981, Elvira by the Oak Ridge Boys. Okay. I was correct. I'm going to say one thing, <laughs> and this is going to bring this little segment to a close. Okay. Happy wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy life. Aren't you so happy to have a husband that's right? 
wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but the country music we're talking about today is hmm. a, a little more current. Ooh, I love me some Tim McGraw. And to have met someone who is just an artist at heart. Mm-hmm. It's so, so phenomenal. But before we talk about that, um, yes. what, what is... And what is your favorite TikTok of the week, Daniel? My favorite TikTok of the week. This is the new segment we'll be doing, boys and girls, just in case you haven't heard. In case you haven't missed it. I have failed to do research. Hmm. So I will pull up. You know what? You know what? Do not pull up. You know what TikTok? It's not necessarily my favorite. Okay. But it's like a very popular one right now. Hmm. And it's the Pocky challenge it's back for 2021 except you don't have to order your chips and have them delivered now they have them all over the place you can go to walgreens and get your pocky chip can you just explain what this is because i apparently was living under Mm. a rock as you well know you go get okay it's a single chip challenge you can go buy your pocky chip it's that's a brand of chips it, it looks like a little dorito it's a triangular chip and you eat this chip and you have to not drink or eat anything for five minutes to win the challenge. Apparently, they have an extended challenge. Also, if you make it the five minutes, then you try to do it for an hour. So this is an unbelievably hot. I think it's got um, Reaper pepper and maybe ghost pepper in it. I I don't know. Okay. I should have done my. But here's so the anyway, thing. that's it's it's like all over the place right now. Well, what do you win? On social, you don't win any. You win the pride well, of not like throwing up but you know you know what you win what a painful bowel movement on day two (laughs) daniel first of all i what do you win like there's you don't win anything what kind of challenge do you not win anything at well it's you win the pride of being able to have a cast iron stomach i will never do it because it's not about your stomach it's about your mouth if your your mouth mouth is burning hot stuff like that is is just not for me i like spicy food hmm. but not painfully spicy food okay well on to me anyway i'm gonna move know, on enough to, about me yeah i'm What's gonna move on to my favorite tiktok of the week happy life happy wife that's right happy wife happy oh, yeah, life. i said it backwards <laughs> go ahead julie <laughs> so my favorite tiktok is from a, an account is it's called deaf as in i don't hear anything cole and oh my god i cried when i saw this video it happened to be a teacher who is a music teacher in an elementary school, and he loves to bring joy to his kids. But most importantly, he actually met a puppy, a little mm. white, adorable um, puppy that looks kind of like a bulldoggy, like a bully breed. Yeah. And the puppy is deaf, and then oh. we're going to put him down. And she, he decided to adopt him, and the name of the puppy is Cole. And he has made it his mission that Cole, he comes to school, he sings with the kids, he knows a little bit of sign language, but his message, and now Cole is a therapy dog, and he visits um, kids who are in hospice and, and elderly who are in hospice, but ultimately the motto of the account is the disability is not an inability. Hmm. And he and the dog, Cole, have a message that... They want people to know that no matter if you have a disability, it's not an inability and that you can do anything you can. And you should check them out because Amazing. super inspirational. And I cried as I binged some of the Cole uh, videos. 
Have you noticed that the TikToks that I pick for this segment are like goofy, funny things? Mm-hmm. And yours are always like touching and, you know. Because I like to curate my life in a different way than you do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's why we're married. So, by the way, Julie, you got to go to the beach yesterday. I did. Thank you so much for taking me to the beach. I've been yeah. wanting to go to the beach. Beach is about an hour drive from our our home. Mm-hmm. This is the farthest so, I'll ever live from the beach. And Julie declared, "I I need a day at the beach before the beach is no longer an option." Well, the beach so will be an went. option. It's just you can't. Swim. Well, it's just not that cold. we really swam yesterday. So it was a gorgeous 70, 75 degrees yesterday in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. and we went to the beach and julie enjoyed her time in the sun and we she need had to a... practice going to the beach more because i think that you need to practice the mm-hmm. art of sitting and reading mm-hmm. i got a whole i wanted to read we were there from yeah. from 10 o'clock until maybe like a little bit after mm-hmm. 12 30 you did get a lobster roll i did get a lobster roll i, like, I learned a lesson do you know how many pages i read in my book you probably read five because I kept interrupting yeah, you. I read three. Thank you. Three. Oh, well, let's have a conversation. You know, whatever. Well, I mean, I so, like having a conversation anyway. with you. We could have had a conversation on the drive home, but sadly, well, you were sleeping. I was going to say you got your lobster roll, <laughs> and I, uh, you got I, now. I learned that you don't get peppers and sausage at a seafood place because no. <laughs> my, would you get my food was not very sausage. good. Great clam chowder though. Phenomenal clam chowder. And if anyway. anybody wants to come to Connecticut, we will take you to the landing place. What is it called? Ford's Landing? No, hold on. I'm not giving it justice. It is called the Lobster Landing in Clinton, Connecticut. Yes. And it was delicious. But it was not the actual lobster roll I wanted. Yes. It was a lobster roll. And if anybody doesn't know what a lobster roll is, oh my gosh, look it up. It's a roll with lobster <laughs> and butter on it. Oh my God. But this particular lobster roll it's, it's has lobster bisque on top of the lobster roll. Yeah, this other place. And it was it like is 44 a pound minute drive and a half yeah. of lobster. And if you're a lobster person, and it just looked amazing. And although, you know, I, I don't know, when Dan said, like, you know, they charge 50 bucks for that, I'm like, um, Maybe I don't need a lobster that bad. Anyhow. Well, it wasn't worth driving 44 right. more minutes the other way. We wouldn't get a lobster roll right here at a place that's mm-hmm. respectable and good, but it didn't have the bisque on top. We'll have to go back to that. Other, we other will place. have to go back. But you know, they are going to close because what happens in New England, things close for the summer. Well, for the winter. For the winter. So. Anyhow, I have two things that I want to say before we moved on to the interview, which are very Super duper important. All right. Go ahead, Julie. Okay. Number one is there are only two slots left, maybe two or three. Dos. Yes. Um, And this is, I keep hearing the microphone. I'm sorry. It is for the WLS fifth annual PJ retreat in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I am a speaker. So if you are interested, if you need some time to put yourself first, and you want to hang out with some amazing individual women sharing and learning and growing and just enjoying yourself and forgetting that, you know, there's crazy world outside. And the cool thing, Julie's actually going to be there speaking in person. I am going to be speaking She's in person. Be, this will be her first in person thing since COVID. 
Yeah, and listen, we're going to have wine tastings, bonfires, old-fashioned hoedown. Bonfires? Bonfires. I think we might have had one of those next door today <laughs> at the neighbor's explosion. Yes. So if like, you're interested, um, hit me amazing. up on any of the socials, or mm-hmm. I'm going to also send the information in the show notes. When is it? It is uh, in September. September 23rd through the 27th. Well, you know why? I have a hard time. Didn't expect me to quiz you on that one, did you? Well, the problem is that I'm driving. So I'm driving a couple days early. So in my brain, it's I'm going to be there earlier. So I wanted to make sure I gave the correct dates. Mm -hmm. And my amazing uh, friend, Pearl Chiarenza, is actually hosting it. Awesome. I can't wait. And we're going to go zip lining on Monday. Can't wait. Sweet. Whoop, whoop, whoop. All right. Anyhow, What's your uh, second thing there? My second thing? You said you had two things. Two things. Yes. Well, the froggy hour. <laughs> okay. For those of you who struggle with the Sunday night scaries, because it's Sunday night, but you know, it is a holiday weekend, so maybe this is not so much a point tonight, but if you struggle with Sunday night and you're feeling a little bit anxious or overwhelmed or really not looking forward to Monday, and Monday you wake up feeling the Monday blues, the froggy hour is for you. The froggy hour is an opportunity to come together and really set the tone for your week. It is a time that you can log in to my um, froggy hour crew. And if you want to plan or jump into doing the first task that you really must get done for the week in order to move ahead in your goals, this is the perfect opportunity for you. So hit me up also if you want some details. We will put some also in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And without further ado. We're going to go to the interview with Jeff McMahon. Do you have anything to say? He's amazing. And I am so grateful that I met him. There, There's some amazing individuals in this world. And if you are not connecting with new people, I urge you to look around you. Who can you connect with and who can you just be in awe of the things that they've been able to accomplish. People enrich our lives and connecting with them, mm-hmm. you know, helps us really become a better version of ourselves. Here's the other thing. The book that I was trying to read yesterday, one of the things that we we really don't realize is that we do become a sum of the people that we spend time with. We've heard this. This is a quote. Everybody talks about it. Jim Rohn talks about it in The thing is, if you want to be better, if you want to grow to a higher level, find people who sharpen you. Find the people who help you combat the self-doubt that we all feel from time to time. And we are not in this world to just not make an impact. You too can make an impact, even in the people around you. You don't have to be amazing and famous. You just have to be yourself to be great. All right. I'm excited for this interview. Me too. So without further ado, you already said that, but I said it again. Because that's your line. That's my line. Jeff McMahon. Jeff McMahon, thank you so much for being a part of the Casa de Confidence show. I am super excited to have you here. And you're coming to me live from Nashville, I assume? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, I love Nashville. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. I typically make a pit stop there two to three times a year. And this is the longest in the past few years since I've been to Nashville. <laughs> well, so. uh, this this last year is, has kept everybody kind of 
kind of close to home, but, um, but yeah, uh, there's a Waffle House right down the street from me. So if you do come back to Nashville, you need to let me know. Well, I will definitely let you. I'm actually going to, um, I'm going to be in Tennessee in Knoxville, which I've never been to Knoxville. Um, Or maybe I've driven past, but nothing too fancy. But yes, I will let you know. But Jeff, introduce yourself to my listeners. Tell people who you are. Uh, My name is Jeff McMahon. I grew up in Texas, now live in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I found my way to Nashville uh, pursuing a music career and spent a couple of years kind of looking for an opportunity that would allow me to work full time. And when I found that it was with a gentleman named Tim McGraw. I worked with him for 18 years, touring and recording and worked with him until 2011. Mm -hmm. Uh, After that, I worked with some other artists and also for a record label that I came to work with through Tim's record producer, Byron Gallimore, who has worked with Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, Sugarland, a number of other artists. And I worked for the label, uh, working on the other side of the fence, uh, mm-hmm. supporting other artists. And uh, I've continued to do that since working at the label, working independently, whether that's as a musician, as a marketer, artist development, helping different artists kind of make their way to some of the stages and find some of the opportunities that, that I got to see as a musician. So, so terrific. I will have to say that um, a little known fact about me is that I am a huge country music fan. I actually, uh, I'm going to date myself. Um, In my early twenties, I used to teach country line dancing. Nice. Nice. (laughs) And I actually, so I lived in Miami at the time and there was, um, we used to go to two country bars in Miami. Of course, you don't associate it with country bars. One was called Desperados and the other one was Sidewinders. And okay. I, I believe it was Sidewinders that was, uh, had launched as country bar and they had a big competition for, um, for choreographing a new line dance to a brand new song called Indian Outlaw. Oh, yeah. So my girlfriends and I (laughs) created a choreography to this day that I do know well and remember. And we won first place. So that's my claim to fame when it comes to country music. (laughs) Well, on on behalf of myself and all of my colleagues, uh, thank you very much. For for carrying that ball, Indian Outlaw was um, that was Tim's first big hit. That was yeah. really what put him on the map. Now it wasn't his first record album. He had an album and some songs before that, mm-hmm. but um, Indian Outlaw was really what what started it. And um, uh, then after that was Don't Take the Girl, which became his first number one. And right. I like to I like to point out that. Um, Basically, Tim had a first album. It didn't really explode. Then he hired me. Then his career took off. Perfect. See, I knew I had the right person on the show. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love I'm it. just saying that's how it happened. That's yeah, you know, it sometimes happens. it takes it takes the support of the right person to um, make you get in the map, right, and and really explode. And I think that this is something that I see a lot when it comes to business. I I work with a lot of women who are launching their business and they're very talented and they have great products and services. But when they surround themselves not only with myself but the right support system, then they are able to go and do their thing and shine. So I love that. Well, and, you know, and, you know, I know a lot of what you talk about um, through your platform is confidence. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things Indian Outlaw was a song that Tim had been playing live for a Mm -hmm. long time before he put it on the record. And uh, I don't know that everybody at the record label understood (laughs) why that song had potential. Um, but Tim knew and mm. Tim had all the confidence in the world in the song because yeah. of what he had seen happen live. Um, wow. He was a strong live performer. We were touring a lot before mm-hmm. he had big hits on the radio. And when it came to that second album, it was just, it had to happen. Indian Outlaw had to go on the record. And there were a lot of people that didn't understand it, didn't believe in it, didn't really see the potential of that record but tim did and he really insisted on recording it and you know thank god he did because it it started everything for him for sure that's terrific and you know even as we speak of the song and again i've heard the song so many different times because and for anyone who's ever choreographed or danced or done anything that those first few notes i always when i talk about the song I immediately go and I listen and I play them in my brain. So it is sure. a catchy tune. And I think that um, it's it's just fun. And when you're out on the dance floor, it definitely brings a smile to my face. And every time I hear it, I, I, I smile. But there isn't, I think... Um, you know, music and, and I and although I am a country music fan, there isn't music that doesn't necessarily transport me, that always transports me or encourages me. And there's such power to music as a musician. What is one of the most um, important things that you want to communicate to others with through your music? Um, gosh, uh, you know, it, it's so it's such a difficult question to answer because we wind up drawing so many different things mm-hmm. from music. I mean, I I remember the first time I heard a song that I thought, I think I know how to play that song. I remember it was a song called Music Box Dancer um, oh. that was on the, on the charts in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I heard it on the radio, I was probably 12 or 13, and everything just kind of clicked for me. And I thought, I think I can go play that. Um, I remember the first song I played, uh, as a fifth grader in a talent show. Mm -hmm. I remember the songs that were playing at my high school dances every morning, um, or many mornings, I will post a song on my Instagram account, hashtag eighties alarm clock, uh, (laughs) always songs from the eighties that I remember that made such an impression on me when I was in college, because Mm -hmm. I, I'm still such good friends with so many of my college friends. And mm-hmm. then there's songs like Indian Outlaw that really speak to a certain moment in time right. and live like you were dying, which I recorded and mm-hmm. was a huge record in our career. Um, 
songs that I've written that I wrote from certain places. So, so all of those songs, whether I played them or heard them or was just a fan of them, um, they all can, you know, put us right back in those certain places and times that we were in. Sometimes we might not want to be back in some of those places. You know, <laughs> I, I can, agree with you, but talk about transporting me. You just took me to another period of my life in my 30s when that song came out, Live Like You Were Dying. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I necessarily share this with a lot of people, but I lived in New York City at the time. I was growing in this corporate career and on track to, you know, continue to grow as an executive. And from the outside, people would think that I had it all. But I was in a very miserable marriage. And I remember there were times that I would be driving home um, and I would play that song on repeat. And it was one of those songs that um, just, you know, reminded me. And and I and you know, I didn't have anybody necessarily that I was close to that was dying, but it was that reminder that I always wanted to live my life in a way that I didn't want to get to a place of regret. And it was really the beginning for me where I realized that you know it's short. And I and, and that line, uh, I need to eat a few more salads, right? And I thought, oh, that totally, and, you know, yes, I, 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 I need to take care of myself, but I also want to make sure that I'm taking care of myself spiritually and and what matters and look back and make make life count. So, thank you for bringing that up. That's that's a great song. Well, and it was such a definitive time uh, when we recorded that song. <laughs> Um, Tim's father, mm-hmm. who was the famous baseball yep. player, Tug McGraw, was combating a brain tumor at the time. Yep. And we were recording the second album that we would record with Tim as his band, mm-hmm. because most of the time, studio musicians make all those records. Right, right. And we had made the album just prior to that, the Tim McGraw and the Dance Hall Doctors record. So this was our follow up to mm. that. So there were just so many really significant pivotal things going on at the time. And, uh, the most of course, being what, what his dad was going through. And, um, that, that song takes us back to all of those very, uh, significant happenings that were going on at that time. Um, yeah. and, and, and then like you say, you know, the, that's what that song meant to you mm-hmm. at that time. Yep. But you can still, like we can with so many songs, you know, listen to them through a different filter, look at them through a different lens at a different point in time. And, um, you know, I, I hear that song and I think about what was going on when we recorded it. Right. But then years later, I was a caregiver for my uncle who mm. was confronting leukemia and I was spending a lot of time with him and then playing that song on stage with that yeah. happening said very different things. Very different um, things. So, yeah, yeah, it's that's what music can do for us. Yeah. And Jeff, I, I know that you're a writer and you contributed to the, the additional chapter to the second edition of Todd McGraw's autobiography. Tell me a little bit about yes, being ma'am. a writer and, and, you know, what was that process for you? Uh, well, um, when, when Tug passed, they had... Uh, hurriedly published his autobiography uh, that was written 
by Tug and and with uh, New York Times bestseller Don Yeager, who's a friend, <laughs> and he had written the 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 original version of that book. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came to the second edition, uh, they were wanting to revisit it. I didn't know you could really do this, but you know they were they were kind of looking back over it to make sure they hadn't missed anything and. And I had pointed out a couple of uh, typographical errors that I had seen that I thought, well, if you're going to redo it, you might want to fix <laughs> these right? few things. Um, and through kind of cleaning up some of those things, we realized that since the original book had been published, Live Like You Were Dying had come out. Mm-hmm. And that had had a lot of impact. And it mm-hmm. connected a lot to Tug's story, but it was not a part of the original book. And also with his passing, uh, one of the things that Tug wanted to do uh, while he was still with us was to found the uh, Tug McGraw Foundation, which focused on quality of life issues for brain tumor and brain cancer patients. Mm. So that had been established while Tug was still alive but um, it had grown a lot over the next year Mm -hmm. and a lot of that vision had been realized. So I was asked to contribute an additional chapter to the book just to revisit those aspects of, of Tug's legacy and Mm -hmm. how those things had developed after he had passed away to, you know, kind of the, the follow-up, you know, to show what had kind of happened, you know, as a result of the momentum he created. So, um, yeah, so I got to uh, contribute that to the to the book, and uh, it was a it was a really nice honor to be asked to do that. That's terrific, and I, you know, as, as uh, someone who is in the process of releasing her book, and I wrote it, I, I actually already have notes of things that I need to do in the second edition, and it, I yeah. didn't know also that you do this kind of thing, but okay. Um, and yeah. uh, it's, I, I see that in my future, but uh, it's so great that you were able to contribute because I know that the foundation is, um, you know, out there doing a lot of really good work. I have for a friend who died of brain cancer and uh, when she was first diagnosed, uh, it is one of the places that I actually went and, and I remember getting some information and kind of connecting the dots. And it's interesting how um, I, I'm a big a uh, science person, right? Like I see connections and things and um, yeah, it, 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 and it spoke to me that, you know, someone who, again, um, hit Tim's music and then the story of his dad, which I really love. Uh, um, I'm a baseball fan. Um, and of course I knew, I, you know, I knew who Tug was and yeah. definitely it's, and now I'm coming full circle speaking to someone who knew him and also um, knows the person that uh, released some songs that have an impact in my life. So that's terrific. So Jeff, I, I thank you for being a person of influence in my life, even though you didn't know it. And oh, so wow. I, I well, love this. Gosh, well, 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 thank you. I'm, I saw, uh, yeah, I think your book's supposed to come out in December. Is that right? Yeah, so it's um, it's in pre-sale and it's supposed to come out in December. We are actually working to uh, to release it much sooner than that. Um, oh, I actually, you know, and one of the things that actually changed a lot from the moment that I started, and I wrote the book rather quickly, um, and then I started working with an editor. And one of the things that happened is that I um, went through a new certification in my coaching. 
on tiny habits. And although the majority of the book, the concepts and the stories, and I share a lot of different anecdotes, don't necessarily change, my perspective on um, habit formation and behavioral science has been impacted through the, the my new certification and through BJ Fogg, who is the um, the the author of Tiny Habits book. And he is the person who I got the certification through. He is the head of the behavioral science lab at Stanford University. Um, so I, I didn't feel comfortable talking about habits from the lens that I had before. So I wanted to make some of these um, edits and uh, be able to release a book that was congruent with how I'm, I am utilizing tiny habits in my coaching practice now and working with individuals. So I, right. I delayed that. Um, and it's, it's a fun process for sure, but now I'm working with a, a different editor as well. So it's um, getting that groove of, and you know, you've been through the process of like, okay, you send something and then you get and then you look at the, I'm like, oh my God, that's a lot of changes, right? <laughs> and for, yeah, for a, I, high, a personality like mine, it's like it takes a couple of days to say, okay, I need to make those changes. <laughs> well, and uh, I mean, I've always kind of had a knack for for words and, and things of that nature, but but whether it's things you've written or, or music, um, you know, somebody else listening to it or reading it with fresh eyes or ears, mm. um, things will will appear to them that we kind of blow by um, when we've been looking at it for a long time or listening to yeah. it over and over and over. So, um, yeah, it's it's or even if we just get away from it for a while oh, and then sure. come back to it you know, you'll see it. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it. I, I wanted to, and, and again, the same concept with this podcast, I wanted to share stories of amazing individuals that have had an impact in my life and people who have in their own right had a journey through life that uh, is of discovery, of growth, change, and um, you know, triumphs in many, in many ways, but also I want to, you know, be able to share that not everybody has these mountaintops experiences, right? We also have the experiences where we suffer and we learn hard lessons and sometimes multiple times. And that's, I think, important. And the more that we highlight that this is the normal process for everyone, the more that people that are in that difficult spot can find hope and know that they're going to come through on the other side. Right. Right. Yeah. That's um, one of the things that I, I think about a lot as a, as a musician and, and also, you know, an endurance runner. Um, it's just the next step, the mm. next step, the next step you've got to, I mean, long before I was uh, privileged to, to play on some of the big stages and do a lot of the stuff, I got to do as a musician, I had to figure out how to take piano lessons as a 10 year old when um, a lot of my classmates didn't think it was very cool. And, mm. you know, they thought I needed to be doing something different. And, mm. you know, I had to decide then, um, well, this is what I want to do. And I find value in it. A lot of people disagree am I going to hold on to my vision 
-hmm. that context. And, um, you know, the lessons that you learn there still apply later on where you're trying to decide to write something that someone else might not think, you know, has a, an audience ready for it. And you've got to, you've got to be confident in what you're doing there. So, um, I think a, a lot of those big decisions, the only reason we have the muscle to make those big decisions is because we've made what were probably big decisions back then, but you know, looking back on it, it doesn't seem like it was as big of a decision, but it's because of those habits that we formed. And, and that's, I'm sure part of what you're, <laughs> you're, you know, talking about is how you build some of that confidence and, and, you know, self-assuredness. Um, it's not necessarily that you have the habit of doing 10 push-ups a day, even though that can be a, you know, that's not, I don't know that that's really the habit. The habit mm -hmm. is remembering that you need to do it. And the act right. is doing the act. it, but, yeah. um, but you, you can get in the habit of doing things you don't want to do mm -hmm. because um, you see that they will have a benefit later on. And that's one of the things that I think is so valuable to grownups Right. You know, if they, as kids, learned an instrument or learned something that you had to build up to, we can learn that um, uh, delayed gratification and mm. building towards something. We can learn, you know, that process and then apply that process to other things, you know, going forward. So, You're yeah, so habits right. are critical. So. You're so right. I, I know that for, I took piano lessons and... Um, from an early age, I would hear the phrase, oh, you know, you need to practice, practice. And I really, I was impatient. I'm like, what? I, I want to be able, I, I'm not good enough. I don't play this. And I wanted to. And and that is something that really, um, that lesson, and I did not stick to piano. I, I learned, um, my grandmother was actually my teacher. She was a concert pianist, but um I, I look back and I think that is a lesson that probably would have saved me a lot of grief later on in life. So knowing that it's a process and knowing that the more that you stick at it, the better that you become and also becomes like you, you said something automatic. And I think that, you know, with the example of the push-ups, we're not always going to be motivated and the motivation right. is going to wean, but it really, if right. we default back to the action that's habit then yeah. uh, you, you're you're in a better place now you started playing at 10 is that correct uh no 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 okay. i i i was playing as a as a child now you know at at three and four years old i was not any kind of prodigy but i was to hear my father tell it um i was playing with my fingers instead of my hands i was not banging okay. Okay. on the piano to make noise i was i was playing notes and that's intentional you know, doing things and yeah, doing things on purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I started taking lessons when I was six or seven and took until I was probably 15, oh, uh, wow. took formal lessons. And then, uh, but after that, I, I had the tools I needed to continue to mm -hmm. learn on my own. And Jeff, um, that's amazing. What, what was the process as a 15 year old and then continuing and how did you land 
in 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 Music City, right? How did you land in um, being able to play at a band with a band or you know compose music? Tell walk us through that process. Well, I um, in high school, I like I said, I took lessons until I was about fifteen. Um, at that point, I was playing the piano for the jazz band in my high school. Uh, the choir teacher would have me play piano for choir things that, that she had, you know, to give me an opportunity to play, but also because it, it left her free to right. conduct and do what she needed to do without mm-hmm. having to do both jobs. Right. Um, there wasn't, when I was in high school, anything that was really contemporary mm-hmm. that I was doing, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put together my own bands or anything like that. Um, I went, you know, in high school, I did everything that there was to do musical. I was mm-hmm. in, in the organized musicals. I was in the choir. I was singing barbershop quartet competitions. You know, I sang gospel with my friends. Um, I just, anything that was there to do, I did it. I went to college at Baylor University mm-hmm. and immediately my roommates that I met uh, upon arrival, uh, Don Gooch and Steve Swingler, we found out that we all sang and we sang our way through through college, um, whether it was doo groups on street corners and talent shows. Um, I love, you know, when I was a freshman in college, we were just singing. Uh, we would we would sing on street corners. We would sing over the phone to people we didn't even know. Um, and we actually did a talent show at the Student Union Building my freshman year. And, you know, they would have winners would be determined by applause. And fortunately, we had built up a little bit of a fan base as mm-hmm. as freshmen. Um, and we sang one Friday night and we won the talent show. Oh, congrats. And, and I like to point out that second place that night was Jeff Dunham, the very famous ventriloquist Ooh. who, um, has gone on to humongous success and <laughs> Netflix specials and, uh, and all of that. But in that one moment, we actually, uh, got to, got to shine, um, that's awesome. But, yeah, it was it was it was pretty ridiculously uh funny. But um yeah, we just that was where I really got the majority of my peer support, peer endorsement. Mm-hmm. Um and then I sang and participated in everything musical with my fraternity, played in my first band with um people that I went to college with that would also go on to achieve things as songwriters in Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some members of of my first band are now producers in Nashville and playing guitar. And uh, a guy that played in one of my first bands is the lead guitar player for Lone Star, um, which was a significant, country band with a lot of hits and things here in town. So, um, yeah, I just, I just kind of tried to make everything I was doing better Mm -hmm. and that would lead to better opportunities. 
That's great. And better opportunities. And uh, eventually I was offered a job in Nashville playing for somebody and took that because that was an opportunity at the time. And eventually was recommended to audition for Tim. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was, that was, you know, the best opportunity I'd had up to that point. And then of course, you know, he, you know, he went on to do amazing things, you know, while, while I was uh, a part of his uh, machinery. So uh, yeah, a lot of great opportunities there. Yeah, I, I definitely have enjoyed watching him through the years and his career and in and, and Faith's career. And it's, you know, it always takes me back. But uh, for you, uh, one of the things that you mentioned, and of course, you've given me advice on um, being out there and, and you are a, um, a runner, you completed some marathons. But the one thing that I found interesting is that you did the rim to rim crossing of the Grand Canyon to race uh to raise money for brain uh, tumor awareness or brain or raise awareness. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, that was, that was quite a, an adventure. Um, I was, I was coaching athletes that were choosing to run for charity. Okay. Um, and they were running the New York city marathon, Chicago marathon, uh, usually running on behalf of a family member or someone they knew. Mm -hmm. uh, as a way to raise money in their honor. And through that, I met a young lady named Jenny Hadfield, who is a tremendous uh, running coach and athlete in her own right. She writes a lot for Runner's World. Um, her husband is John Bingham, who is also a writer for Runner's World. And I met both of them at different running events. Mm -hmm. Um the New York city marathon, uh, would have large expos and, and things. And I met them and, uh, Jenny Hadfield, um, she wanted to put together this event, uh, with myself and, um, she and her brother, um, who has, uh, since moved on and, um, wanted to run to raise, funds and awareness for brain tumors and brain cancer because she had lost her father oh, wow. to that. So she called me wanting me to join the two of them on this adventure. And I told her, I said, I, look, I, I know nothing about that kind of adventure racing. Mm -hmm. um, I know how to keep going and I know how to not complain. So if, uh, if you tell me what to do, I will do it. Um, I love it. Whatever, whatever I have to eat or however I have to train, you know, you just kind of give me my instructions and, and I'll, I'll gut it out with you. That's so, amazing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so, so we did that. We started on, on one side, you, you start at the top on one okay. side of the Canyon and then you, you run down and then across the bottom, and then you have to run, and I say run, right. run, hike, walk, walk clamor. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm gonna leave side. that one to you, Jeff. Um, I, I, I don't was, think I'm ready for that. <laughs> it was, I'm, I may be thinking of Kilimanjaro, but that one doesn't sound fun at all to me. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, it was it was challenging, not only huh. because of, of the 
the the incline, <laughs> but um, the temperature change because at the top you start yeah. early in the morning and it's about thirty degrees. At the bottom, the sun mm. has been baking all day, yeah. so it's eighty, you know, eighty five at the bottom, and then oh. as you go back up, it gets cold again. It's, so yeah. uh, you have to plan for a lot of a lot of things, but. Um, you know, and her husband, John, was was our crew. So he dropped us off on one side and mm-hmm. met us on the other. So uh, but it was it was quite an experience and such a, a great thing to share with the two of them who had such a personal mm-hmm. uh, contact, contact to it. And um, yeah, it was it was quite a thing. And, and to, to join them in raising that awareness with with that in their hearts yeah. you know, while we were doing it was it was terrific. You know, what an amazing feat. And how long did it take you? It, how how long of a, of a race is it? It took us, um, well, I'm not exactly sure of the exact mm-hmm. mileage because the um, the incline changes mm-hmm. somewhat, right. The makes it hard to measure. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, I want to say, 23, 24 miles. Yeah. You know, we covered it um, over the course of, of a day. Of a day, um, yeah. Okay. 12, 13, 14 hours. Um, something mm-hmm. like that. And then of course we're having to carry, you know, all kinds of food and water with us as we of go course. through all that with our backpacks. And, um, wow. you know, one of the things that was so interesting, which I never would have thought of is, um, you don't carry your own gear. You carry gear for one of your teammates. Oh. So, um, and the reason you do that is so, um, when you stop, you don't have to take your gear off to get into your pack. You're carrying so my smart. Thing, so I can get into your stuff. So and, smart. And and it it works, you know, that way you don't have to to take yourself apart. You can dig for your things from the person that's carrying yeah. your stuff in front of you. So You know, I have to say, um, having uh when when we did the Camino de Santiago, that's one of the things, right? I used to put stuff in my husband's backpack because right. I and I really that's probably one of the things that drives me insane. And at times I may be really tired toward the end of the day and that backpack, you're feeling it because you're and, and really I've learned to not pack a lot. But um, it comes to a time my husband's like, OK, well, let's sit down and rest. And and I would sit down and say, like, take your backpack off. I'm like, no, I'm not taking it off. Are you kidding me? Then I have to swing it back on and strap it up. No, it's on. I am not moving. And it, yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. I love right. that. Did you you suffered from Afro, uh, uh, asthma at a young age? Um, did that mm-hmm. affect you having to have the different climates and, and the change in temperatures you were doing that race? Uh, I wouldn't say that it affected me mm-hmm. in the race specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, now. I did have asthma pretty seriously as a kid and Mm -hmm. it it certainly affected a lot of things, um, in my life. Um, I think that, um, I think it, I think it has affected my temperament. I think Mm I, I don't get rattled easy. Mm -hmm. I, um, I tend to be pretty even tempered. And I think that is because, in large part, because when I had asthma, I didn't want people to know. So mm-hmm. I would slow down. So I wouldn't make a lot of noise when I was wheezing. I would try to calm down. Okay. Um, so as not to make that um, yep. exacerbated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it affected that. 
I missed a lot of school as a kid and there were a lot of days <laughs> that I couldn't breathe, but I could play the piano. I could read. I could, we didn't have, you know, 40,000 video games and TV channels when I was <laughs> stuck at home. So I, I think that encouraged me to learn those skills, which mm. have served me well. Um, and then I ran a lot as a kid with my dad in order to, you know, build up a resistance yeah. to that. So that fed a lot of my running journey. So um, I definitely think as much as I would not wish that on somebody to not be mm -hmm. able to breathe, I can certainly see where it inspired me to sharpen swords and develop tools that have served me well um, through yeah. my professional career and uh, and as a, just as a, as a person. So. As a human being. Yeah. I was diagnosed with asthma five, no, hold on. Maybe how long have I been married? Uh, almost 10. So maybe about six, seven years. And it's a coughed variant asthma, which I had never heard of, but I will tell you, and, and I really have very intentionally continued to do things for myself to make sure that I, I, you know, I use an inhaler, but I, I hate having a flare up and it really comes from an autoimmune that I have. <clears throat> and um, it, it is not a fun feeling to not be able to catch your breath. Right. And, and I, I, yeah. And, and I think that um, definitely something that for me, when I'm starting to feel that maybe the coughing and the, and, and I'm going to have a bout of it, I really slow down and I, I learn how to temper my body um, because yeah. I don't ever want to be. And I have been in those uh, to the point that I, you know, I, I yeah, I've had to have a um, an inhaler and then using the, um, the little machine every two hours. It's, yeah. you know, pretty, the nebulizer. Pretty, yeah, the nebulizer, pretty extreme. Yeah. yeah. And for that reason, I don't want to be in that position. So I, I, I guard myself uh, quite well. When it comes to that. Well, I know that, you know, mine was prompted by allergies as a mm -hmm. kid. Okay. And uh, I was allergic to dirt and dust and grass and things that blew around. So there was really no avoiding mm. some of the things that were going to trigger me. But, but I think that um, at least for me, um, I learned to slow down, but I also learned not to stop. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that has served me well. Such a great times. lesson. Such a great um, lesson. I, uh, I, I would have to slow down, but, um, but I still would, would figure out a way to kind of keep the wheels turning and, um, and, and keep working in, you know, whatever direction I needed to go, um, mm -hmm. whether that was, you know, trying to make it through class, you know, or, or, um, I couldn't run anymore cause I was all tightened mm -hmm. up, but, it, but I'd keep walking or, yeah. um, and, and not get, not get so rattled that, um, 
that I had to feel like I was completely thrown off course. It's um, a great lesson. And I think that yeah. even now in life, that's a great lesson to have, Jeff. And I think that yeah. when we are going through something or difficulty, most people have the tendency to want to stop. But even if you can get yourself to stay in some sort of motion, even if it's a small motion, um, yeah. you you can keep the momentum and continue to build up from there. Whereas if you stop, um, it, it does, you know, kind of throw you off. So it's a great yeah. lesson. Well, and, and it's, and it's what we do in the music business. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, nothing, maybe something will happen, but you know, I think, uh, you know, Alan Jackson has a lyric in a song. I made it down the music row. Lordy, don't the wheels turn slow. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, that's with some of the artists I work with and, mm -hmm. And some of the things that we, you know, we develop together, um, I, I just really try to help make sure that something happens today in that direction. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, if we wake up and, and after a year and we haven't done anything, we mm -hmm. can't expect to be any closer to the goal. But at yeah. least if we can keep things moving, if we can keep our eye on the ball, um, there's a chance. You know, you've yes, got a shot. So. For sure. For sure. Now, I know that you um, wrote and, and released a song and I I am excited for this. And I, I know that you're going to share it. You wrote and recorded. It's called Angela's Wings. Tell me about that song. Um, well, the you know, that song has been so interesting because I a, a number of years ago, I, you know, was kind of motivated to to you know, create three or four things all in the <laughs> same period of time. And I had never really done any music of my own. Honestly, didn't really have a desire to in, in the sense that I wasn't trying to be my own artist. <laughs> I'm collaborative by nature. I've always been very happy to build things with other people to support <laughs> Tim as an artist or Josh Grayson or Jim Brown or whoever the artist right. is that I'm working with at the time. Uh, I like making things with people because then you mm -hmm. get to share the, the win, you know, the, the process with them. Um, but I, I started working on these songs and uh, I wound up putting them together. You know, some of them kind of came from a, a painful place, but um, I wanted to get them created. And I wrote them and I took them in the studio and I made songs out of them and I recorded them and then I never did anything else with them. And a friend of mine, Glenn Schweitzer, who is a very successful documentary filmmaker, heard one of them, uh, heard a number of them. And he decided that we needed to take it to the next level and make a video project out of one of them. <clears throat> so, um, wasn't really something I was wanting to do, but I didn't want to get in my own way. Here's an opportunity to, to take it to the next level and create something more out of it and realize his creative vision um, with it. So we collaborated on that and did that and made a video for Angela's Wings. Mm -hmm. So we put that out and uh, it got some visibility and, and then, um, a lot of people heard it and, and I've played it periodically. Um, and it's fun to have a rec representation of something I created from nothing. 
Um, mm -hmm. Some friends of mine played on it. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing that happened with it is I wound up getting a note. Actually, Glenn, the filmmaker, uh, got a note um, about the song from a, a woman that had found it. I don't even know how she found it, but she found it. And she had lost her sister, uh, who was named Angela, the day wow. before she found the song. And um, the video chills. was out there. The video was out there, but it wasn't released. It wasn't on Spotify. You couldn't mm -hmm. get it if you wanted it um, uh, outside of watching it on YouTube. Um, so that note made its way to me and I wound up corresponding with her and sent her the song and um, just so she would have it if, if she wanted it for anything. But, um, you know, what what she drew from it was very different than what motivated me to create mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, but, but so what, you know, she got, yeah. she got something out of it that provided her some sense of, you know, peace or reassurance or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, so I just sent it to her and, and yeah. I was glad that she got something, you know, something out of it. And that's, what's so interesting about music is mm -hmm. you can't decide what somebody's going to pull right from a song you know you oh, just hope absolutely. that they pull something so yeah that's great. the essence of an artist i think jeff because as an artist again you have the inspiration and you put yourself out there and make yourself vulnerable but then what people draw from it right really has yeah. to do with their story has to do with their experience and um a true artist knows that you're going to really impact and have an impact. And when you move someone with your art, it's probably a great gift. Yeah. She found me in the darkness So scared and alone Surrounded by strangers With no one to call home Her eyes burned right through me And I was never the same And right from the start She held my heart And told me her name There's a heavenly angel Angela's wings And she took me to heaven Showed me beautiful things She taught me what love was She taught me to sing That heavenly angel Wearing Angela's wings So many small moments And I treasured them all Cause I'd waited a lifetime For this one woman's call She made me a believer When I could not believe If 
For the rest of my life I could stand in the light And she'd stand by me There's a heavenly angel Wearing Angela's wings She took me to heaven Showed me beautiful things She taught me what love was taught me to sing Heavenly angel Wearing Angela's wings I love that. And now you're working with um, an up-and-coming artist. Tell me about Maddie. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been doing some work. I work with a, a number of folks in different <laughs> ways here in Nashville. Um, uh, you know, I, I came to Nashville alone. And when I meet folks that I can kind of help maybe get a little closer to their, you know, goals, you know, I, <laughs> I try to do that when I can. And um, Maddie... Uh, I met uh, about a year ago. Um, she is a, a young lady singer songwriter that, you know, had ideas about what she wanted to create, but she wasn't creating things yet. <laughs> and um, I met her, I was playing piano. She came up and was talking to me because um, it was a real estate event and she was there 
uh, with her stepdad and she came to talk to the musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went and had coffee and she kind of shared what she was wanting to do and, and some had some ideas that were not being realized. And I kind of thought that, um, I could help her get closer to what she was mm-hmm. wanting to do, though. I didn't really know, you know, what, what she, I hadn't heard her music yet. Right. Okay. Um, but, uh, wound up getting together with her and, and hearing some things that she had done and, uh, she's a great singer and I heard some things that she had written. And so we started working on that first and, uh, I helped her release her first song that she had written, oh, uh, which we did last January. So she has her first song on Spotify, which was exciting only sometimes. And, um, and we're about to release, um, a song uh, that she's been excited about for a long time oh, I uh, can't called wait. That's the Lonely Talking. <gasps> um, Ooh, what a great title. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, and, and you're going to give us a, a, a little peek at that song? Cause yeah, yeah. We, you're uh, awesome. We're going we're gonna to be releasing it here in the next few great. weeks. And I played piano on it. And uh, she's Ooh. over the moon about it. So, um well, I am yeah, excited. It's, it's exciting, this is so. this is so cool. I love it. I love it. Um, you and I tend to hang out in different uh, rooms and clubhouse, and this is how our our paths have crossed. Tell me a little bit of what, what has surprised you about the platform. Uh, yeah, um, clubhouse. It you know it's this new audio app that um, I was encouraged to be on through my work, kind of as a publicist and artist mm-hmm. development. Um, but I, I have found myself uh, in various roles of, of leadership or collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the, you know, one of the things that's been surprising about that app is the opportunities to, to participate in uh, conversations and kind of use it as a way to find out where I can offer value in arenas that I wouldn't necessarily expect to participate in. Mm-hmm. Certainly, um, I mean, you know, this this interview is is certainly a product of that. I mean, um, you know, what what was a surprise? Well, here I am in, in doing an interview with you, who, <laughs> you know, primarily uh, interviews uh, women, and but but occasionally the the cool dude, I think, is what you're. Yeah. Your intro says so. Uh, that's right. I'm surprised to be one of the cool dudes in Listen, here talking to you. So I love great. cool dudes, and and it's so funny because when I first launched the podcast, um, I immediately like, well, it's going to be for women, and then I think it was maybe like a month in. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I know a lot of really cool guys, and I I thought, well, maybe I'll release one here and there, and then I'm like, now. This podcast is for people in general. And I, yes, do I have predominantly women listening? Sure. But I also get some cool dudes who come and stop by and share their wisdom and their um, just amazing journeys. And I I love being able to have these conversations. Uh, So thank you for being one of the cool dudes. I I think you're in great company. (laughs) No, thank you. I am. Yeah, no, I just I love what you're doing to, to you. try to encourage people to be more more confident in their journeys. And, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of fortunate in that I got tested at a very young age um, 
with uh, the choice to um, take piano lessons or not <laughs> when I wasn't getting a lot of encouragement from my buddies. Um, and uh, so I did sharpen that habit of making decisions Great. You know, that, that might not uh, be a part of the group. But, um, but yeah, you know, and I try to do that as well. I mean, it's such a, a joy to, uh, to work with somebody like Maddie, who, yeah. who, um, I mean, she's, she went to school for music. She's a great singer. She knows that she knows a lot of mm -hmm. things, but, um, but still some of the things she wanted to do, um, we're now getting her closer to doing and, mm -hmm. uh, and she's getting more confident in her opinions it. and, and the songs that she wants to do. And, uh, if I can, help validate that, mm -hmm. um, you know, I want to be able to do that because I certainly appreciate it when, when I've been encouraged, yeah. you know, in those ways. So, um, that's so yeah. great. Yeah. It, takes so it's, a great, it's a great mentor. Thing. It takes a great mentor to be able to, um, move along to reach our dreams. I am a firm believer. And if it weren't for mentors that came into my life, I don't know if I would be where I am now. So I'm excited that Manny found you and that she has, um, you and your experience and, uh, you know, lots of feedback and, and support in, in this journey. So this is so exciting and I can't wait to, you know, chat with her in person and, let learn more about her hopes and dreams and how she's growing. So this is awesome. Um, question for you. I, I'm always mm -hmm. curious when I, when I meet someone who's a musician and we, we happen to have a friend um, we're friends with the lead singer and a couple of the guys from the band Candlebox from the nineties. And mm -hmm. um, so I, I know the answer for them, but I, you know, for you as a musician, what do you listen to? when you're not uh, listening to the type of music oh, that wow. you help to produce and write for. Um, and, and, well, and I, in. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know about that, but you know, I, I, I listened to so much and, and uh, you know, I was fortunate as a, as a kid, um, you know, my dad was not um, a, a musician per se, but um I mean, everything would be very different now, but at that time I grew up in a small town, Texas. I was a, an hour and a half away from the closest record store. Wow. So, so, you know, the music I was exposed to early on, um, was stuff my dad brought home. And mm. fortunately he brought a lot of good stuff home, but it was all over the map. It was <laughs> Emmylou Harris, BB King, oh, wow. Boston, Fleetwood Mac, uh, Genesis, Billy Joel, Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he brought everything home, um, now certainly I, uh, I'm very up on, on what's going on in the, you know, the country market and, mm -hmm. and, you know, whether it's, you know, um, some of the new artists that are, that are coming out that, that are being nominated for awards, you know, the Carly Pierce or Lindsay L, um, but, uh, you know, Thomas Rhett, um, but I still, you know, listen to the stuff that, um, you know, when I was touring with Tim, you know, I don't, I don't so much listen to the songs that, that I developed, mm -hmm. but I love so much of, of that stuff, you know, Joe mm -hmm. Diffie and, oh, and man, I love Joe Diffie. Diamond Rio yeah. and, and Jody Messina and, 
you know, the nineties stuff. That yeah. We you're developed. speaking my language now. Um, <laughs> you know, and then um, I've seen Harry Connick live three uh-huh. times. I've seen Sarah Bareilles three times. You know, I love Jen Bostic, who's a piano singer songwriter here in Nashville that uh-huh. has had some success, but a lot of people haven't found her yet. So um, yeah, I just, I just really try to keep my ears open and, and listen to, to, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff. And then I've got, you know, the singer songwriters that I work with, you know, in town um, that I'm always listening to things they're creating, you know, Ashlyn Mm -hmm. Grace, who, um, you know, helping her release a new song here in the next month or so. And uh, Jim Brown, I've worked on Mm -hmm. some recordings for him, Um, you know, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm constantly listening to, to different things from different people and playing new music. So yeah, it's just always something new around the corner. Yeah. I love it. I actually, you know, the last time I was in Nashville, um, was the last time I was in Nashville and when was the last time I, I, I was in Nashville, probably October of 19. And I was supposed to be there in April of 20. And of course yeah. that didn't happen. Um, yeah. but the, I actually, we went downtown, um, we went to Burger Republic um, with my girlfriends uh, at, at the Gulch, and um, we were coming back. And our Uber driver, he actually moved to Nashville uh, to, you know, to work on his music. And I have loved his journey on Instagram and seeing yeah. him, uh, you know, go in and and he's putting out some stuff. I, I, I love that whole, maybe I fantasize, you know, the whole business itself. I know that there's some hardships and that, you know, there's disappointments that come along, but it, it's fun to watch someone grow and, and work at their art. So that's, that's pretty cool. And that you get a front row seat to seeing what people are doing and developing. It's awesome. Um, who would you say is the person that you would be the dream collaboration with? Oh, wow. Um, a dream collaboration. I, you know, that's so funny because I never, honestly, never aspired to be, you know, that artist in my own right. Um, you know, I mean, I love um, playing um, and, and working with other people. I mean, I love Sarah Bareilles. Mm. Um, you know, she's a piano player. She doesn't need me yeah. to play. Well, I love um, her. Yeah. Um, you know, the the musically, you know, I, I love her whole thing. Um, you know, the the acapella music stuff that she did in college, the singer songwriter stuff, the, the independence that she has in her songwriting, even to the point of releasing, I'm not going to write you a love song because they told her she needed a love song on her album. (laughs) Um, But then, uh, but then taking all of that experience and creating the music for waitress, you know, on Broadway. And it's one of my favorite, one of my favorite shows. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, and still being so pure as a songwriter that she can deliver all of her stuff with the same impact with just her and a piano. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would, 
I mean, you know, if I could sit down and play sitting on the dock of the bay and listen to her sing it, you um, know, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be in heaven. So, sign me up. I'll come you know, over and have a margarita in tow. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'd be, I would totally be game for that. Um, <laughs> that sounds amazing. And, That's so uh, awesome. Uh, and, uh, you know, apart from that, I'll say if Maddie ever makes it to the Opry, if I'm not playing piano for her, she and I are going to have to have a talk. So, yes, you will have to have a talk. Um, well, I hopefully we'll get to Nashville soon and we will connect in person and you're going to have to show me the town in a different perspective that I've had while visiting friends there. So, and you've oh, been yeah. so gracious with your time, Jeff. Thank you so much for being a part of the Casa de Confidence and for sharing your spirit and, and your, your stories. I love it. Will you come back? Oh, of course, Julie. Great. Thank you for for tracking me down and for inviting me to be a part of it. I appreciate it. Well, I get to see you most every day in Clubhouse. So, you know, I needed to have a deeper conversation and I appreciate that you get to share this with our audience. Thank you so much again for being here. Thank you so much. And don't forget to go confidently, everyone. And Jeff, we will continue to connect. Hi, everybody. And thanks to Jeff again for the amazing graciousness that he has shared with us. And because he is a lovingly giving person, he is sharing and so amazingly introducing us to Maddie True. Let's go.
Hi, everybody. I know that sometimes we get very lonely in this entrepreneur journey, and I want to invite you to join us into our limited time only purposeful you mastermind. For many of us entrepreneurs, we believe that we can do it all. But the reality is that doing it alone only creates a lot of overwhelm. So join us at the Purposeful You Mastermind. You can find out more information by going to bit.ly forward slash Julie's Mastermind. This is going to be the place where you are able to then unlock your full potential and achieve long-term success for your business push you behind your current limits, expand your connections, discover new ideas, and implement them with confidence. You're going to get the support in all aspects and transforming you to the six-figure business you've been looking for. Pause and get off the hamster wheel if you've been spinning around. This is a time where you can get that support from like-minded entrepreneurs that are here to join you in your journey. Together, we can challenge the assumptions and land the speaking engagements and opportunities we want to grow our business and make an impact in the lives of people. See you then. Remember, you can find the mastermind at bit.ly, Julie's Mastermind.